Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 7 Generations Energy Q3 2020 conference call. At this time, all lines are in a listen-only mode. Following the presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session. If at any time during this call you need assistance, please press star zero for the operator. This call is being recorded on Monday, November 9, 2020. I would now like to turn the conference over to Brian Newmarch, Vice President, Capital Markets and Stakeholder Engagement. Please go ahead. Thank you, operator, and thanks to everybody on the call for joining us for our third quarter 2020 conference call. We have our executive team on the call today to discuss our Q3 results, the 2021 budget we released this morning, and some of our most frequently recurring investor topics. Following our prepared remarks, we'll open the line to questions. As a reminder, all statements made by the company during this call are subject to the reader advisories included in the news release issued this morning and in our corporate presentation. All dollar amounts discussed today are in Canadian dollars unless otherwise stated. The complete financial statements and MD&A are available on our website at www.7genergy.com as well as the CEDAR website. I will now pass the call over to our President and Chief Executive Officer, Marty Proctor. Thank you, Brian, and thanks to those joining us on the call today. The third quarter was a critical one for us. In July, we resumed drilling and completions activity and continued executing our development plan at the deliberate and measured pace we spoke about last quarter. In September, in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, we successfully and safely completed our car turnaround and upgrade, a significant effort that was completed on time, on budget, while minimizing the overall production impact. We also made further progress driving down our overall cost structure with continued focus on key performance indicators, mainly dollar per meter drilled and dollar per ton of sand pumped. Over the quarter, we also saw some relative improvement in commodity prices. In particular, condensate supply and demand balances tightened as forecasted, leading to condensate now trading at a premium to WTI. Natural gas continued to demonstrate relative strength, which we have been able to capture after tilting our capital program to Nest 3, the gassier region of our asset. Our hedge book has also continued to protect us from near-term volatility in crude pricing. Our performance this quarter has set us up for a strong finish to 2020, which is reflected in the increase to the midpoint of our production guidance to 180 to 185,000 barrels equivalent per day and tightening our unit operating costs to 450 to 475 per BOE. We have seen production restored to expected levels following the turnaround and wanted to provide some additional certainty to investors that the fourth quarter trajectory is consistent with our expectations. As we look ahead to 2021, we anticipate the cost efficiencies we captured this year will continue into the next, and when combined with our moderating corporate declines, we are well positioned to deliver stable production and enhanced free cash flow. It's important to note it was only a couple of years ago that we transitioned our strategy to one that prioritizes value creation over growth, and we made a commitment to not outspend forecasted cash flow. 
Today, we look back on that decision as a pivotal moment for our business. I am proud of the work our team is doing. Our progress can be calibrated with a couple of very interesting statistics, comparing our present metrics to five years ago. Q Q3 2020 total well costs were less than Q3 2015 fracking costs alone. Drilling costs per lateral meter are about half of five years ago. Since 2018, we have steadily decreased our corporate break-even WTI price from about $55 per barrel to below $35 per barrel, and as a result, have generated nearly a quarter billion dollars of free cash flow in the past seven quarters, despite reduced oil, NGL, and natural gas prices during that period. With our reduced break-even costs, we have the ability to generate meaningful free cash flow in 2021 while maintaining production, which may enable further opportunities to create value for our business and our shareholders. Before I hand things over to Derek to discuss our 2021 budget, I want to spend a moment addressing a question we occasionally get asked by investors, which relates to our broader strategic view on capital allocation. As we think about capital allocation decisions going forward, we recognize two important realities. The first is that despite commodity pressure, our improving cost structure and innovation in our business have kept our wells highly economic, generating strong full cycle return on capital for shareholders that exceeds our cost of capital. The second reality we see is that the current global supply and demand balance is delicate, which does not create an environment calling for growth in oil volumes for the industry. So with these principles in mind, our first priority for capital allocation is to reinvest in our business to maintain current production volumes, strengthen our balance sheet, and maximize our optionality for total shareholder return in the future. I will now pass the call to Derek Ellsworth, our Chief Financial Officer, to provide a little more color on our 2021 budget and how it fits into our strategy. Thank you, Marty. As Marty mentioned, the key story here for us over the last few years has been a steadily decreasing financial break-even point, resulting from our moderating declines and pretty substantial improvements in our costs to drill, complete, and tie in our wells. To provide a little perspective here, in the first half of 2019, our wells, our drill and complete costs averaged just under $10 million a well, improving to $8.4 million in the back half. In the first half of this year, we saw these costs come down to $7.3 million in Q1 and $7.1 million in Q2. This quarter, we achieved another milestone with drill and complete costs coming in at $6.5 million per well. While we've worked closely with our vendors to optimize costs and ink long-term contracts for some components of our value chain, a significant portion of these efficiencies are a function of changing the way we science the wells and modifying our well designs and completions programs, which ultimately has led to durable cost efficiencies we've carried into our 2021 budget. In keeping with Marty's comments, our plan for 2021 is largely a continuation of what you saw this year, only with a better cost structure. Our primary objectives are to keep production flat with stable year-round activity levels that can be efficiently planned and executed, to continue our relentless pursuit of cost reduction and maximizing free cash flow to optimize our balance sheet, and to retain optionality and positioning to respond to a volatile commodity price environment. 
Ultimately, our 2021 plan will set us up for lower declines and reduced leverage that paves the way for shareholder returns. With a strong finish expected for 2020 and level-loaded activity through 2021, we won't need to bring on as many wells in 21 as we did this year to maintain production in the range of 180 to 185,000 BUE per day. We also don't anticipate as many high-impact maintenance events like the car turnaround next year, which should keep production volumes fairly consistent quarter to quarter. Similar to 2020, we plan to tilt our 2021 investments toward Nest 3, given the relative strength of natural gas prices compared to oil prices, and we'll continue to leverage the optionality in our resource to respond to evolving commodity pricing conditions. The Lower Montney, which has shown some favorable results to date, will constitute approximately 10% of the locations drilled in the year, and will continue to drill and complete locations to support our 2022 program. Seven Generations continues to focus on drilling and completion key performance indicators to drive continuous improvement. Drilling costs have decreased from $650 per meter in 2017 to $525 per meter in 2020, with an anticipated improvement in 21 to $515 per meter. Overall, a 21% improvement in drilling efficiency. In addition, our completion costs have improved dramatically from 2017, where SAN placed costs of $1,200 per ton to 2021, where we expect to spend only $625 per ton of SAN placed, an improvement of 48%. There will be differences in total per well costs due to wellbore placement, length, and architecture, but our performance indicators are consistent. With that in mind, I want to comment briefly on some nuance around our budgeted drilling and completion costs for 21, which you'll notice are listed as $6.9 million per well. This slightly higher number relative to the third quarter of 2020 relates directly to well design and more specifically the length of our laterals. We would anticipate, especially in the first quarter of 21, that due to longer laterals per well costs may be higher than recent headline numbers, but rest assured our cost structure KPIs are consistent. I'll now pass the call back to Marty to conclude. Thanks, Derek. Our business is stronger than it's ever been. We have driven down our cost structure while while maintaining well productivity to reduce our WTI break-even price to below $35 per barrel at a 275 Henry Hub gas price. While we have moderately reduced our production base since 2019, our corporate declines have flattened, and at current forward prices, we will generate per share free cash flow in 2020 and in 2021. We have managed our business through an unprecedented period, and 7G is even stronger and more resilient than we were at the beginning of the year. We are also proud to be recognized as an ESG leader within the energy industry and continue to evolve our development practices and commercial outcomes. Our 2021 plan ensures we are on strong financial footing and poised to generate meaningful returns for our shareholders in the years to come. Operator, I will now ask you to open up the line to questions. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now begin the question and answer session. Should you have a question, please press the star followed by the one on your touchtone phone. 
You will hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request. If you are using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. The first question comes from Manav, Gu Manav Gupta of Credit Suisse. Please go ahead. Hey, Mari, I wanted to congratulate you, everybody else at 7Gen, and to be honest with you, everybody else involved in the energy business. Last seven or eight months have not been easy, and looks like finally today we are turning a corner and there's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. So I think it's this is a year we none of us expected. 7Gen has done very well to cut its CapEx, lower OpEx to navigate through it, but hopefully this is a year we forget and move ahead with this virus behind us. So Thank you. with that with that I just want to ask you one question here. Um we are seeing a lot of deals in the energy space, all equity, no premium. Um and I understand seven gen doesn't have a hole in its portfolio, but should we think of seven gen as a consolidator or is it more like you have enough inventory to go along and you're not even looking at it? Well, thank you, Manav, and I agree with your comments on this challenging year, and uh, and we, we look forward to uh, improving times. Uh, with respect to your question on consolidation, uh, look, we've obviously observed some win-win transactions in the past few months, and we're always looking for ways to improve our business, and perhaps size, uh, create some synergies, might even improve our cost of capital with respect to reduced costs for debt. Uh, so we are looking for whether there's possibilities on that, uh, for the moment, though, we're just extremely focused on investing in our own business. Uh, our first priority for free cash flow is to reduce our debt. We're actually very satisfied with the depth of our inventory and, and our ability to direct, direct capital to even develop gassier regions like Nest 3, as we've been doing in the last uh, six months. And we even have Cretaceous opportunities and other, other areas where we could turn to for additional gas in the future. Our key focus really is on having the lowest supply cost, having a very strong balance sheet, and we continue to be very bullish on condensate. And as the biggest condensate producer in Canada, we think that's an advantage for us, and we think that uh, that our inventory now is probably already some of the very best in the business. Therefore, uh, we're, we're keen to continue to do what we've been doing. But if the right opportunity does present, uh, and it would make our company stronger uh, and better for our shareholders, we are wide open to considering that. Thank you for taking my question, Marty. Thank you, Manav. Thank you. The next question comes from Arun Jayaram at J.P. Morgan Chase. Please go ahead. Marty, good morning. How are you, sir? Doing well, thank you. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Um, I was wondering, um, you know, maybe for Derek, if you could give us, you know, some of the sensitivities around your 2021 program, I know you've given us kind of a reinvestment rate at, at different commodity prices, but uh, um, your cash flow, call it break-even at 35 um, and 275, uh, what, what's your view on potential outcomes for free cash flow at, at 40 to $45 WTI? Yeah, great question. Thanks, Arun. And as you suggest, we'll have Derek take that one. Sure. Um, Arun, of course, uh, not just the WTI price, but natural gas price is impactful for us as well. At our, in our press release, we assumed 275 uh, natural gas NYMEX price uh, when we quoted that $35 break-even. So if you assume a, a $45 and $275, you are probably $150, $150 million of free cash flow for next year. If you assume $40, you're probably closer to $70 million. Great, great. And that's at 275 Great. 
Correct, um, yeah. What about the fifty and fifty-five dollars scenario? <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> Obviously, it's going to go up with uh, with better WTI, especially with uh, condensate diffs having uh, really improved to being above WTI now. Yep, yep. And uh, you know, you talked about the uh, the upgrade or the turnaround, pardon me, at the car facility. Marty, what are some of the implications? I know you invested around twenty million at capex there, but what are some of the benefits to seven G on a go-forward basis? And I just had one more follow-up post this question. Well, the, the two key things are improved reliability so that we uh, we can reduce some operating costs in the future. And the second is that we should be able to get better quality of condensate coming out of that uh, stabilizer, therefore better pricing. So those are the two big things. And, and, and that was an impact on us uh, prior to this. Going forward, we should get better OPEX and better pricing. Great. And just to follow up, um, um, uh, Marty, is just on the Alliance pipeline, uh, you guys have talked about uh, you have a decision to make regarding whether you, you know, decide uh, to keep the firm uh, capacity. Uh, for investors on the call, can you give us an update on on where those negotiation stands and 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 where your uh, thought process is today and, and some of the potential implications to uh, 7G's uh, cash flows? Um, you know, just given um, um, you know where 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 current differentials stand, et cetera. Sure, and I'll just say, I mean, it's too early to conclude where that ends, but I, I would first acknowledge that the access that we have, really the market diversification that we have, has been a real benefit for the company over the last many years, and uh, market uh, diversification for the future is still important to us. We have an opportunity, perhaps, to uh, further optimize our marketing costs, our transportation costs, and uh, we are looking at you know, what is the best thing for our shareholders the obvious reality is that we're not growing at the pace that we might have previously thought we would. We won't need as much transportation as we currently have contracted. And uh, right now, the Alliance uh, and, and the Oxable, the related Oxable costs are, are, higher, are higher than current uh, other options that we see. So we are looking to optimize that. We'll keep working on it. Uh, we've got some time to make the right conclusions for our shareholders. Ultimately, it could be a significant improvement in our cash flow if we can if we can kind of lock in some of the uh, the options that we currently see, and it could be of the order of a hundred million or more uh, per year of additional free cash flow beyond uh, about November two thousand and twenty-two. Great, that is material. Thanks a lot, Marty. Derek, thanks for the questions, Arun. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. As a reminder, should you have any questions, please press star one. And the next question comes from Amir Arif at Cormark Securities. Please go ahead. Thanks. Good morning, guys. Uh, just a couple quick questions. So j just first on the capital uh, budget, the Nest 3 area has some of the better capital efficiencies. Even your IRRs and NPVs are better there. So just curious why two-thirds of the capital is still being allocated to the Nest 2. Um, obviously, economics alone aren't driving your decision. So if you can just add a little more color on that. Yeah, sure. It's a great question, Amir. Uh, maybe I'll make a couple comments, and then I'll ask Karen uh, Karen Nielsen, our chief uh, development officer, to add some. But you know, we clearly have choices, and uh, you know, one of the things we attempt to do is to to minimize our infrastructure spending, uh, and that relates to our continued kind of concentric development out from the cur the current core. And we do have uh, infrastructure built that allows us to very efficiently bring on S2. So Nest 2 still has excellent economics. It, is, it does have quite a bit of gas, but it also has good condensate. Overall, it still has ec exceptionally good economics relative to the basin. At current, at current uh, 
I guess, strip prices. It looks like Nest 3 is very competitive, might be even slightly better. But we do have those choices. And maybe, Karen, could you please uh, give us a little more color on uh, our choices for capital allocation? Sure. Thanks, Marty. Thanks for the question, Amir. Um, so, yeah, in the in fourth quarter of 2020, we did pivot um, to drill and bring on quite a few wells in Nest 3, and that's to capitalize on the strength in the natural gas price that we are seeing. But we, we do, um, in 2021, um, also invest in both Nest 1 and Nest 2. We are very strong believers in the price of condensate, and um, we need to kind of balance our drilling with all of the different commodities, as well as our best economics are always drill to fill with the in infrastructure that we have. So as we come, as we slow down a little bit in Nest 3, we'll pick up in Nest 1 and Nest 2 and, uh, and minimize that, that infrastructure build. Yeah, and maybe I'll just expand on that just a tad more. Karen made a very good point, the fact that condensate, we're still very bullish on condensate. Uh, we have the, the largest amount of condensate production in Canada. And uh, looking forward, we're, we're seeing, as we expected, condensate pricing improving relative to WTI. Our condensate production isn't as big as it was in 2019. Uh, neither are most of our competitors. And we're seeing... Uh, the outlook for uh, more condensate demand coming through the uh, the egress solutions that are being put together, the Trans Mountain expansion and Bridge Line 3, uh, those will add more uh, egress for the heavies that require condensate for blending. So, yeah, our long-term outlook is still going to involve a lot of Nest 2 development uh, and Nest 1 uh, because they do supply the condensate that uh, that the basin needs. That's helpful. Uh, and then just in terms of the capital allocation of your, your new a leverage metric target of one and a half. If, I mean, just given where commodity prices are, if you do get there this year, uh, where, where does that free cash flow once your debt is down to one and a half go to? Is it would it be drilling or buybacks come back into the equation? Well, I'm actually going to ask Derek Ellsworth to take that one. Derek, sure. If you're asking, uh, would we hit our leverage target this year? Of course, it's very commodity price dependent. Um, at yeah. strip, we we would we would likely not, but uh, the reason that we've put that target out there is just a signal that uh, we are very focused on getting our balance sheet right sized for the current size of the business. Uh, once we do reach that leverage target, uh, the the options of capital allocation beyond that uh, will be evaluated at the time. Um, currently, our priority would likely be to focus on returns to, to shareholders in the form likely of a dividend potentially of an NCIB, and uh, growth probably being the, the third priority at the moment. And I'll just emphasize that, too. I agree with Derek, and uh, reducing debt is our current highest priority. And production growth will really only resume after the market calls for growth, and it will probably be an outcome to consider after we've implemented some kind of a return to shareholder program. Okay, makes sense. Uh, just one, one final question final question if I may just with the flat production again for one more year uh, well, where does your corporate decline rate get to by the end of 21 yeah great question and, and uh, I think we've been very consistent in that answer uh, the, the decline will be lumpy I mean we had a very interesting year this year where we had a, a pretty significant program in the first quarter and then essentially no drilling and completions activity in the second quarter then we've got a fairly it's, it's reduced from original plans. We've got a pretty significant program, Q3, Q4, which will likely continue to be similar throughout most of 2021. Uh, all that said, uh, look, we're, we're on track to deliver the reduced declines that we've always talked about, which had expected around uh, mitigation of 2 to 3% per year in declines. And we do expect that uh, by mid-2022, 
just uh, less than two years out, we should have declines in the middle two, middle 30s, uh, 30% range. So it is lumpy at the moment, hard to give you a precise number, but uh, it, it is behaving exactly as we had forecasted. And like I said, mid 30 percent decline in mid-2022. Sounds good, thanks. Thanks very much, Amir. Thank you. There are no further questions at this time. I will now turn it back over for closing comments. Well, thanks everyone for joining us on the call. Uh, that, that concludes our, our comments and our, our call here. If you have any other questions, feel free to reach out directly to myself or Ryan Galloway uh, with any questions you may have. Operator, you may end the call. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating, and we ask that you please disconnect your lines. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.